Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, February 28th. I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined as usual by Pete Sampson from The Athletic. Guys, I think this might be this might be the first time since the first week of December that we don't have any like breaking news since the, the previous week. It's been pretty quiet. We're anticipating the start of spring drills on or about March 17th. So we have about two and a half weeks to go um, before we get spring drills started. But I thought we would, let's go ahead and, and, and pick a, a, a position on offense and a position on defense as we start to anticipate seeing these guys on the practice field this, this spring. And then we're gonna go ahead and start with the running backs. And as you look at the group, I mean, it's a pretty impressive one. Uh, not as impressive when Kyron Williams is on that list, but it's right. still a it's a it's still a good group of running backs. And Logan Diggs and Chris Tyree at the top, or maybe I should say Tyree and Diggs at the top, and uh, Audric Estime, who's looked great during the winter uh, workouts, and then early entry freshman Jadarian Price. It's a it's a skimpy number of four running backs, but a pretty good group. And I think that Tommy Reese. Now, Tommy Reese, with each year as, as offensive coordinator, adds a little bit more. And I think we're, you know, we talked about Tyree playing more slot or, or being more of a receiver. And uh, and we saw him take advantage of that uh, against Oklahoma State, certainly. And just your thoughts on this running back group, Tim? Well, it's one of those things where they're not better off without Chris Tyree or no. Kyron, Kyron Williams, no. excuse me. But um, it, there's still like, it does unlock a lot of possibilities for the group. I think estimate becomes part of the conversation where he's just kind of a novelty that might realize he's a novelty. If Kyron Williams is still there, right? Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs. Those are all the carries. That's all the carries, unless you want to get carries against Marshall and UNLV. So now kind of a different group. I mean, we asked Dale and McCullough and I was, I was writing about this this morning. What do you want in a running backs room? And he kind of listed three things. I mean, it's convenient because he has those three things, but he's like, and I didn't know what I was getting into when I checked out these running backs. He just knew Kyron Williams. He shows up. He's like, that's exactly what I want on the three running backs. I have the three body types I want. So it, it makes for, it's the most fun group for the spring, in my opinion. I, I'll be interested to sort of see when we look back at that, at the position in the season, you know, there's players leave and we sort of have the conversations like, does Notre Dame end up missing that player more than you thought? Um, and I'm not sure how they're going to feel about Kyron Williams because um, they played one game without him, didn't go very well uh, in the run game for multiple reasons. But, I mean, I think one of them was they didn't have a guy who just, like, would hit it um, that ran with authority. I mean, Chris Tyree was incredibly productive in the Fiesta Bowl, but as a receiver. So, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm bullish on Diggs and Tyree. I get – I. I guess I'm a little bit more like, all right, I'm going to slow down on Audric Estime. I realize he looks, looks good in a t-shirt, but like as a running back at a, at a major college level, I, I guess I would just like to see a little bit more before I get on that train. No, understandable as opposed to uh, mop up duty at the end of a game in, in November, certainly. Um, but I love his feet. You know, that's a big guy with, with great feet. Uh, and, and I think that that, <clears throat> that gives them some possibilities, especially third and short. Make no mistake, they are a worse running back group without Kyron Williams. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I, that's, not even, that's not even up for debate. No, I think my point is one, one of them wouldn't be here if Kyron Williams was. I mean, that's the harsh reality of the transfer world. Uh, yeah, or, I don't would know. Be, or would be preparing to leave at the end of the spring. Yeah, be, have a foot yeah. out the door after the spring. Yeah. yeah. Now you're kind of all Could in. Be. 
Yeah, and they've had to um, they've had to re-recruit or recruit or re-recruit uh, Logan Diggs here a little bit since the end of the season. Mm-hmm. It looks like he is he's fully on board at least for uh, the spring and the upcoming season. There's no reason why at this point I, I would think right. that he would he would be dissatisfied with this situation because he's front and center with Chris Tyree and they're, you know, they're different kind of backs. So it's, it's complimentary. I have said numerous times about Chris Tyree needing to get stronger, blah, blah, blah. He's a breakaway back and he, you know, hopefully is having a, a, a tremendous off season and winter conditioning and should be a bit, a bit stronger heading, heading into the spring. I, you know, I'm still very optimistic about him. Um, but some of the, I guess some of the some of the flaws that prevented him from moving up in the rankings when he was a senior, I think we've we've seen those. Yeah, I think that you know the ability to run with power has been a struggle for him. Um, but I I love the way that Reese used him in the Fiesta Bowl because yeah. um, he's unbelievably quick. I mean, he's he's faster than Kyron Williams ever is going to be. Um, and so they found a way to take advantage of that. And it's like, it's worth taking a couple steps back and be like, what was Kyron Williams going to his sophomore year? Because Logan Diggs is a hell of a lot more than Kyron Williams was at the, at the same stage of their college careers. And it's, let's be, you know, it's funny you mentioned that with Tyree. I, I think I, I am high on Tyree because with the new, I think there'll be more RPOs and the approach will really help Chris Tyree with Tyler Buckner being out there as well. He also wasn't healthy, but we should always point out, I mean, Kyron Williams wasn't caught very often, right? He's, every time we talked about Kyron Williams' speed, his biggest runs just kept going. He went for yep. 91 yards. He went for 75 yards against Clemson. It's you never think to yourself, man, Kyron should have broken that. No, he he just broke it. He's apparently faster on the football field than we know. We should talk about Price now. I think we haven't had a chance to talk about Jadarian Price because he missed the interviews. The interviews, yeah. Mm-hmm. He and Ford had classes. Uh, he's an intriguing guy too. You have to see. Obviously, it's all it's all let's pick up and playbook pick up, but being here early should probably help. Yeah, I would think so. And, 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 uh, you know, he's going to get a ton of touches in the spring. So he's yeah, going to get a good, a great, a great opportunity throughout the spring to, to, to adapt. And uh, yeah, I let's probably reserve comment on him right now until we actually see him, see him in a, in a, in a Notre Dame uniform, but uh, moving on to the defensive line. Um, you know, as I look at this, I'm kind of looking at, you know, five guys for end and five guys for tackle. Although I think there's a couple wild cards there. Riley Mills being one. There's been a lot of talk about him playing strong side end, but I would think that he would still, you still want to cross train him, right? At, at defensive yeah. tackle. Uh, so he can spell somebody on the inside and then Tyson Ford, it remains to be seen where Tyson Ford is. I think he's a strong side end slash defensive tackle a la Mills, although I guess very different, different bodies and, and, and makeups. But at, 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 at end, you have Foskey, Justin Adamalola, um, Nana Safo Mensa, Jordan Botello. We'll see how he will be used moving forward, see what Al Golden thinks about how they use him. Uh, Riley Mills will probably be there. And then presumably um, Aaronsberger will be Aaronsberger. Yes. Aaron, I'm sorry. Aaronsberger is, is he not on my list here? Why in the world didn't I have him on that list? But uh, yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's a six guy there. Gobera, Aiden Gobera, 
who's very light but uh, very fast, according to his teammates during mm -hmm. winter conditioning. Um, a couple of the younger guys there as well, and then defensive tackle. You've got you have Lacey and Cross and Jason Adamalola, which is his return is is so significant, yeah. so significant a defensive tackle because that is a that's a huge playmaker. And then you have uh, Gabe Rubio, Naden Kainaina, uh, Jason Anya. I guess is kind of a, a part defensive end, part defensive tackle as well. Somebody one of the questions that was submitted for today was who they're higher on Rubio or K and nine. I think they're different players. I think Rubio's more tackle and K and nine is definitely nose tackle. Um, but you I, know, I, I mean, we have pretty good situation going into the, going into spring. I know you have early entries now, but a lot of times in the past, you've gone into the spring and the numbers are skimpy because the freshmen haven't arrived yet. They've got some pretty good numbers there on the defensive line. I think we got there's a couple we got a we got a little bit on K and being a guy that they wanted to play more last year. Then he got hurt. Then they just got lost in the shuffle. Um, and that I I kind of heard he is a solid number two there, which allowed them to consider moving cross right back to defensive tackle where he kind of played a little last year. I mean, he's so small. The nose tackle thing was always weird. Elston just always told us he has great hands and he disrupts things, and he did in a reserve role. You would think it'd be Lacey and K and and then Jason Adamiola and Howard Cross. And that's my whole theory as to why you can move, not move, but use Riley Mills outside as well. It just kind of seems like the, the best way to form seven or eight guys is to use Mills in both spots. Yeah, it's, I, I would get Mills either cross-trained, but if, I mean, if you could get away with starting him where MTA played last year, I feel like that's probably your best lineup. Um, with you know Justin can swing between both end positions he plays in the same way that my Mills can swing between tackle and strong side end um you know can you can you live with a cross lacy tandem at nose I don't know um depends on what kind of offensive line you're is across the across the field from you but I think most weeks that would be fine i I think from a spring who I'm interested in sort of spring Rubio is high on my list because it's not hard to like spin it forward a couple seasons and be like, all right, well, who's the next, who's the next Jason Adam Malola? Um, you know, and Rubio was very highly ranked. He's put together he's a thick kid. Um, you know, how, how he makes some progress here in his first spring, I think will be, could be, could be uh, an uplifting development for more of a longer haul type of situation. I would agree uh, with Rubio and he got, he was banged up in the spring. Right. And so that way it was a little disappointed so, yeah. last spring that, that um, did he have the elbow injury? I think that, I think he had yeah. that hyperextended elbow that was yeah. right. And so that was, um, you know, that was an impediment for him. It's a big, it's a, it's a, a big spring for him. It's important. I would think, you know, I mean, I, I would like to see personally Riley Mills, there's a level of consistency. I, I think there, you know, we talked about this during the season. There were too many times where, where he just like went along for the ride and didn't get off blocks. And he's so big and strong that, that I expected that I expected to see that more. So, I mean, to me, Justin Amalola, I know he's a swing guy and can play both sides, but he's a starter at strong side end until somebody proves differently. Mills is capable of proving differently, but um, you know, by and large, uh, most of his work has been inside. I know he had the 
two or three sacks in the one game when they bumped yeah. him outside. That was against a that was a horrible offensive line. That was Virginia, right? Yes, it was Virginia. That was a horrible offensive line that, that Virginia had. And so I think that that played a role in that. But there's some versatility there and the depth going into a spring really is I, you know, I know you have the early entry guys, but the depth is really good. What what happens to Botello? How do they use him? So to, I, because last spring he got I thought he got swallowed up. Now a lot of times he was going against Blake Fisher, but I thought that he gets swallowed up many times just by a sheer lack of size and width and power. Not that we can base too much on this, but uh, there was a picture of Al Washington with a defensive line group, either out to dinner or hosting dinner. And Batella wasn't with the group. I mean, he could have had a test, but it also means he might be working with the linebackers right now because he worked, he ended the season working with the linebackers. Marcus Freeman said, this is for this game only, which it was, but it makes sense. I mean, he, I really like him more when he's in space too. Just like Tim, you pointed out, it's a much different situation lining up across the tackle for him. I I, I agree with that. I, he's he's a tweener. He's a tweener size wise. Um, and, and tweeners work in packages these days very well. Right. Very well. Ex- ex- exactly. So um, yeah, he's he should be a big part of any type of uh, down and distance, long distance. Uh, uh, packages. Let's go ahead, Tim. We have one cleanup item because he's on the roster. Okay. okay. Sebo Flemister is on the updated roster. Oh, thank you very much. Thank but you. I don't expect him to be there past the spring, right? Do you expect him to participate in the spring? No, but he's there. And he I is. Apologize. They updated I, it and put him on there as a graduate student. So it's not an old listing. Yeah. I apologize for that for Sebo and Sebo fans. I, um, been meaning to put him back on my list there because we just simply expected they wouldn't be there. Right. Uh, and he is. So now that, so I, I apologize for that. They have two power backs, him and estimate. And he, you know, again, 10 touchdowns. It's, just weird. it's just weird. There's like I mean, no answers. It's like, like well, <laughs> 10 touchdowns. When the hell did all that happen? Well, it was yeah. of course before last year, it was 2019 and 2020, but it's hard. It's hard More to than Michael Mayer. This. It's more than Michael Yeah, Mayer. that's incredible. That's that's absolutely incredible. I apologize to Sebo Flemister and his family and fans that were uh, screaming when they heard me exclude him from the, the the list of running backs. All right, we're going to wrap up segment one. A little quick, uh, little quick basketball talk. Uh, Josh Pastner put Mike Bray in the Hall of Fame after the game on Saturday after Notre Dame beat Georgia Tech by thirty four. Georgia Tech was awful. Notre Dame was great. I mean, they were sharp. They had 40 assists in the the two games last week. They were really playing quality basketball. Uh, The ACC is the ACC. The Notre Dame is solid number two with two games to go. Trip to Florida State Wednesday, just because of their sheer size and athleticism could be difficult, but Florida State is really struggling. And then Pittsburgh at home before Notre Dame goes to the ACC tournament right now, a solid number two uh, seating-wise in the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. They're fun to watch again. It took a, it took a minute, but they're they're a fun team to watch, as my uh, eight year old son could tell you after going to the game on Saturday. So they're confident. They a, yeah, they're good. Fun. Go ahead, Pete. They're they're confident and fun to watch too. It used to kind of be like, shouldn't this team be confident? And now they're confident. Yeah. He does. My Tate definitely points out how much JJ Starling is going to help the team next year, though. Is that so right? He's seen a lot of JJ yeah. Starling. He's no, he a huge seen. JJ Starling fan. Hey, I wanted to ask you. By the way, you saw Holloway play uh, yes. at Lala Mare many, uh, and, and probably I, four or five times now. And I put out a, a recruiting master list uh, over the weekend that Jack Freeman always loves uh, constructing. <laughs> 
and uh and for for those that are that that scream at me about a recruiting master list we need more than 530 views of that master list over three days <laughs> otherwise it's going to be mine, so it's probably like 420 or something <laughs> <laughs> but tell me about i i mean i saw i i love aiden holloway as much as i love jj starling a little different players but oh yeah yeah it's, i mean He's a six foot point guard, so not great size, but plays plays slow when everybody else is like fast. I mean, he's quick, but doesn't like he's not out of control. Um, right. You know, his like ball skills around the hoop where he can like spin it behind his head are, are really impressive. Really comfortable three point shooter, natural stroke, a better a better stroke than Starling has, I think, from the outside, and he's hit. He's hit some big shots for Lalu this year. I mean, they beat IMG at a showcase. I think it was in New Jersey. And he's there one or two overtimes, and he hit the game-winning three. Um, so, I mean, he's played really high-level stuff. He's a junior, and he'll be back next year. And talking to talking to people around Lalu, they think Starling is the best player on the team. Holloway is second. And they and this team also has a point guard who's a junior who's going to Michigan State, so they think Holloway is better than I think Fears is his name. But um, yeah, they like they like Holloway a lot over there and feel like he's a good uh, personality fit for Notre Dame as well. Give me Holloway and uh, Booker, the big man from from Cathedral, who I think has a lot of upside. You know, as usual, I mean, it, well, first of all, it's not a real long list of recruits, and I know people will say, "Well, Bray's list is never long." <laughs> but my master list in the past have been considerably longer than that. The issue here is all these seniors and what they're going to do. And I realized that the recruits we're talking about won't come in, come in until the following year, but the decisions made by the seniors coming up here in the ensuing weeks will have an impact on Tony Sanders, Matt Zona, Elijah Taylor, people like that. So yeah, I mean, but at this point, no roster. I'm talking about I, roster. I know, wise. but like, there's no, there's nothing about that trio that you want for three years over any of those guys coming back next year as a senior to help Notre Dame if you're Mike Bray, right? I agree. I'm yeah. I'm addressing the 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 list, the length of the master list now, mm-hmm. and it's because of well, they couldn't have guys, the, yeah, because yeah. of the senior decisions and how that might impact the rest of the roster. Uh, J.R. Kineshny is a, is a, another one that's uh, that, that's in the future. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Wash ND. If Notre Dame doesn't add a wide receiver from the transfer portal after the spring, will Notre Dame be forced to move a player from a different position in the fall? The obvious choice would be Xavier Watts, but would there be any other candidates? I don't think there are other candidates, and I think that Notre Dame will probably roll with what they've got. Um, Because I think if they move somebody, it would be – sort of break glass in case of emergency, right? Like, I don't think you're moving somebody to come in and play. Well, yeah, I mean, because you're choosing from cornerback safeties and running yeah. backs. 
And I don't know that any, none of those positions can afford it. I would, I mean, and I know he's coming off an injury. I, you know, maybe Eli Raritan could play some W when he, when he apparently is ahead of schedule and doing really, really well. Well, that's what I think the reality is, is that Michael Mayer will play some W too. Well, it's a good. Yeah, I agree. And it's, I mean, they have this, the kid from what Johns Hopkins, Harrison Wellman, like that, that's a grad transfer you take to help your practice function, not a grad transfer you take. So you have like a new wide open offense. So he's number nine on wide receivers. And that's, that's fine for helping your practice function because uh, Salerno is fine for practice as well. Yep. Merriweather joins in the summer. Um, And Avery Davis will be back by August. He was, uh, he, I mean, it makes sense. He's, got hurt basically two months after Kane Barong. So we expect Barong back. Speaking of guys that can help a wide receiver. I mean, he, he does have, he does. Yeah, well. he does yeah. have, he's, he's an H back type of um, white out. Uh, yeah. Lindsay- think they're not moving anyone. And that's a good point you guys made that it's breaking case of emergency. Yeah. can actually help you play safety and, and in packages and wide receiver. He's yeah. a guy and that doesn't do you any good. I still don't. I mean, Pete, have you heard any inkling of him moving back? I mean, he, he, he's, and I realized different wide receivers coach at the time, but he struggled at the position and he was impactful at safety. You, you hate to move a guy. He's like, I mean, who's he, who is he? He would, he's not going to step into the starting lineup at wide receiver. You have Lindsey Davis, Wilkins, Colsey styles, obviously Jaden Thomas is a guy that they really like. Merriweather comes in. I'm glad you mentioned Harrison Wellman, Pete, because I mean, that kid can come in and play slot. He can play. Right. It's, it's a position that hasn't been recruited all that well. And moving a guy is not going to change that at all. So it's, you only move a guy. If you like, we can't practice. We only have four healthy receivers. So you have to move a guy. You're not moving a guy to like, Oh, well now we've created the next Will Fuller here. Um, That's, that's not what that would be about. And I think so, good Tim. Any transfer helps with practice as well. Uh, another, even another high level preferred walk on helps that uh, an experienced wide receiver that's played a lot of college football. Sam, but Pete, you're, you're hearing that they may not go the, because I would still think that a, that a, a transfer or wide receiver would be in play. You're hearing that that's not going to happen. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm okay. just saying if you can't find one, I think okay. you can you can function with what you've got with Wellman and Salerno in practice. Um, if you're fi- if you're taking a transfer at this point, I'm not sure I would take somebody just to like make practice work. I'd take somebody to be like, well, this guy can challenge Lindsay or this or this guy can push Colsey um, as a bigger body. Let me jump ahead, Tim. I'm going to jump ahead here on the right. questions uh, since we're talking Colsey. It's from Fanhood. Uh, and the question is inside the Google, what are the feelings on Deion Colsey for 2022 and beyond? Is he looked at as a potential elite wideout or more of a role player? I have <laughs> asked around about this. Um, I don't, it's the answer is neither uh, right now. The, the sort of question that I think people have on Deion Colsey is, does he have sort of that drive, want to <laughs> push through barriers in workouts um, the way that elite receivers do. Um, and they're sort of waiting to see it right now. That's, I think that's sort of where things stands with Colsey. Cause it's like, 
that position is made the X. That's the the stud number one guy. And Colsey is built like that. Um, but they need to see it in winter <laughs> workouts where you you go and you go and you go and like you you show a level of just like doggedness that um you know they're they're waiting to see that come out. Yeah, and they have it in styles, so there is yes. a the, the, the competition should be there for Colsey to see it and emulate it and match it or try to exceed it. I, I was a little concerned that Colsey getting all those snaps out of necessity didn't become someone you were going to rely on after he kind of made that nice diving catch on third down against USC. He actually became a guy that created a little issue. I mean, he, his, his route on Buckner's interception touchdown, he didn't run a great route against Oklahoma state. It's also nitpicking because he's a freshman that probably shouldn't have been playing. Right. I mean, he's only playing as Pete said, because recruiting had been more prior. So I'd like to not, I'd like to give Colsey a whole winter and spring, but that's not great to hear what Pete said. Yeah, I mean, I think we were all surprised that he didn't, considering the the sh- the um, shortage of bodies in the Fiesta Bowl, that he didn't yeah. play a more significant right. role. Right. I think that, you know, the question, the gap between potential elite wideout and role player, there's a <laughs> expansive. Everyone fits in there. Yeah, I mean, that's really, really expansive. I would say that he's probably closer to elite receiver than role player but look how about this uh, economy of st brown played way less than Deion colsey did in his freshman year and then st brown came in of course for a bad team but st brown came in and had 900 yards nine touchdowns uh was not a polished receiver obviously but he i mean if you remember the texas game do you expect Deion colsey to have that type of game against obviously not Ohio state, but against North Carolina in week four, where he's doing handsprings and falling in the end zone. And that, that is the elite coming up wide receiver level. Yeah. I would like to think that the arrival of Chancey Stuckey is going to make a significant difference in, in Deion Colsey's game. So we will, we will find out um, in a couple of weeks what direction he's going. The blue goal game does not count for the Priester O'Malley bet of Logan Diggs, 100 yards and Deion Colsey (laughs) touchdown, because I do believe you'll get that one in the spring too. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought that bet would have been, uh, Come to fruition. Settled, settled in the fall, but it's, uh, Notre Dame would have won the Fiesta Bowl if it did on, yeah, came, that's came right. on January right. 1. That's go. right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, from TDISU 19, who will have the biggest impact this season? Jaden Thomas, Audric Estime, or Will Schweitzer? Well, I don't think it's Will Schweitzer, uh, especially with the depth chart after we talked about the, what they have a defensive end and defensive tackle in segment one. Um, yeah, I would be, uh, that's a good question because they need wide receivers. They need Jaden Thomas to, uh, to step forward. Uh, Audric Estime's need isn't as great, but, but I think that he's a, uh, uh, assuming that, you know, not knowing exactly what Siebel Flemister, whether he will be with them after the spring or not. Uh, the need is probably greater for Jaden Thomas to to step forward. I don't know. That's I think it's a good question between those two. I don't think Will Schweitzer, especially with his injury last year, which set him put him behind. I don't think that he's going to be in a position that those two guys are to to make a contribution. Uh, if I had to vote now, I would say estimate. After spring practice, I might feel a little differently, but yeah. I think yeah. right now estimate would be the pick. Yeah, me too. Um, once again, Tim, they needed bodies at wide receiver and yeah. Thomas couldn't be one of the bodies. In right. The festival. That was right. weird. I mean, 
Now that's again, different, different wide receiver coach. And that was the pattern of the wide receiver coach. Well, Honestly, Dell Alexander, the backup freshmen aren't trusted. So they didn't get in. Doesn't mean they can't play. Means there, I mean, there was no Kyron Williams for Oklahoma state and estimate didn't have a role then either, but oh, it's, I, we've, tur- we've turned, we've turned the page and we'll move on to the spring, but uh, we'll see. I, I, I think that's a uh, kind of a toss up uh, with a little bit of lean towards estimate, I guess. Martin, Evan, uh, even flow uh, of these options. Who's the most likely starting corner opposite Cam Hart at Ohio State? Clarence Lewis, Tariq Bracey, the field, which would include Barnes, Riley, Mickey, et cetera, or someone from the portal after the spring? I hope it's both of them in the nickel. Otherwise, there's going to be a 400-yard day again. Both of both yeah, of whom? Brace, Bracey and Lewis. <laughs> Those are the most likely. But um, I would say... A returning Bracey. I'm going to go Bracey if Bracey returns. If I have uh, I'll go one person. one person, I'll go Lewis. I think that he was. He's is he elite? No, but he's a lot better than he showed. Yeah, and I think in the Fiesta Bowl, like he's had good performances. That was just a really really bad one. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. There, there was a, there was a. I, I don't know. I would have to like go back and check how it all unfolded, but I thought there was a period of time during the 2021 season that, that Lewis was playing very well. Now that was all thrown out the window as far as public perception based upon the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma state. But I, I, I thought he played some pretty good football during, during a portion of the regular season. So if you ask me most likely starting corner, I would say the guy that started the last game they played. Uh, right. Well, but, I guess, but, but Bracey's point taken with Bracey, too, so it no, right, that way. Yeah. right. Point point taken with uh, with Bracey, Tim, and then also L. Golden. We have a new defensive coordinator. We have a new set of set of eyes on it. Same secondary coaches. Um, you know, Barnes. I mean, I think Barnes is uh, ready to make a more significant contribution. I think Riley is too. Um. But I would say, you know, when you say most likely starting corner, as we sit here right now on February 28th, I'd say Lewis. Yeah, and I have to retract mine because there's no chance Clarence Lewis grad transfers after the spring. Well, there is a chance Tariq Bracey could grad transfer after the spring if he's not the starting corner. So that's yeah, going by math. Was, math drops in there too. He was never like announced as coming back, right? That yeah. that while while some guys did took it upon themselves to do that right. in January. Yeah, um, when we had the press conference with all the guys returning, he was not right, part of that right. group. That's right. But right. O'Malley's point is a good one because if Jackson Smith and Jigba is playing the slot receiver, um, the nickel is really, really important in that and game. Nickel well, might want to be out there a little bit more than Kaiser covering one-on-one downfield. I'm Sneed not, will take care of it. Don't worry about it. I'm not sure that there's a solution on the 2022 roster against that particular opponent at corn at cornerback. Next from Celtic Irish. Recently, you said Notre Dame's relationship with Under Armour goes far beyond what recruits like in apparel. Do you expand upon the benefits of this relationship with Under Armour and how those outweigh the potential benefits from a more recruit-friendly brand such as Nike or Jordan? Because Notre Dame's a shareholder in Under Armour. We we knew that when the when the the deal was struck. And so that's what I'm talking about. And I would ask, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but are you guys aware of any recruits that chose a school? The deciding factor was the apparel that that school wears on game day. 
I think that for AAU basketball, um, yeah. you might have something there, but not football related. You know, yeah, like I'm, I mean, I, when I'm looking Armour, for evidence of that, yeah, I, I, not, not speculation that. I bet you there's you evidence know, for Under Armour socks. Yeah. Huh? I mean, for AAU basketball, well, I'm sure it, there's evidence. That's that's diff- that's a different yeah. animal. I'm yeah, talking but about football, no. Football. I mean, look, when they signed Under Armour, Under Armour was the cool brand. Um, now it's not. You know, I think Jordan Brand is sort of the, the cool brand, but you know, is is Michigan or Florida signing prospects because they're with Jordan Brand any more than Notre Dame was signing prospects when they were with Under Armour in 2014 and 15? I no, I don't I don't feel that way at all. I know some people are gonna say, well, there's some people in the media that have said the players don't like Under Armour. Um I, I just I just players get run, free it, it stuff. Run, I think they're fine. Yeah, I mean, it. yeah, I think it, it just it runs deeper than that. I mean, in a, my interview with Jack Swarbrick, he talked about he wanted Notre Dame to be Under Armour's most important uh, partner, and they are. Notre Dame is a shareholder. Uh, that was the case from the very beginning. Jack Swarbrick is pleased that Under Armour has included Notre Dame student athletes in the design and evaluation of their product. So, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it runs deeper than that. And uh, it especially runs deep in terms of Notre Dame's payday as, as it relates to their relationship with Under Armour. So yeah, money's involved. It always is. Jim underscore Booney CRS, any buzz on Andrew Christoffick? Do you think he's locked in as a starter in 2022 or do you think Spindler Shrouth takes his spot? And I always appreciate February questions on buzz about left guards. That's fine. So, <laughs> P, P, go ahead and start us off. Uh, I have heard no buzz on Andrew Christophic <laughs> because their just buzz on guards doesn't exist. Um, well, well, unless you're Quentin gone, Nelson. But, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah long time ago. And maybe, maybe, maybe in the future, Billy Schroth too. And that's part of the question. I, you know, I don't, I mean, buzz about Andrew Christophic. No, I, I don't know about buzz, but hey, he did a good job last year. He did a better job than was anticipated, at least on my part, our part, yeah, yeah, heading yeah. into it. Yeah. And he did, he, I mean, he did a nice job. I thought there was inconsistency, as there always is for a first-time starter. Do I think that he's locked in as a starter? I I, I don't think Harry Heastan's going to just, you know, take over a, a, a new job and say, okay, you were the starter, you remain the starter. Um, Spindler needs to get stronger and be more consistent. We saw some of that in the spring at times uh and we love billy schroth but he's coming off an injury and he's not going to participate in spring drills i think that hurts schroth for overtaking a returning senior remember i don't don't think it's etched in stone but um you know like clarence lewis he's now maybe maybe christophic's a little bit more of a front runner there uh at left guard also he gets to practice techniques now right isn't that going to help the offensive line it should absolutely help him i i would yes i would expect that andrew christophic uh has a really good chance of building upon the positives that he created last year for himself uh question from irish from a2 who's your favorite assistant coaching hire this offseason he stand speaking speaking of technique and working <laughs> on things in practice he stands by choice uh i also do i was i kind of forgot about he stand when i was doing this one but um I'm intrigued by the Stucky hire to to get off he stand since everybody's going to answer he stand. I like the uh, 
what do we say about running backs and wide receivers? You need good ones, and then you coach them. The recruiting will be better at wide receiver than it has been. Yeah. Uh, you better be. Yeah. Well, it can't. Not, it will be. I, I absolutely yeah. promise you that will happen. <laughs> there's, there's no way. Yeah, I, you know, I think the question was probably intended for you know non stand answers, yeah, <laughs> new guy, new Notre Dame guys. Uh, but I would say he's standing. and I am intrigued by Stucky because I think he's a very unique personality who will be able to relate and get through to people. If somebody can get through to Dion Colsey with some of the things that you mentioned, uh, Pete, then, then I think he, I, I think that he has a chance to do that. And I really, I said this last Monday, I really liked Al Golden. I really yeah. think that Al Golden is very, very much a Notre Dame type guy um and culture is still you know brian kelly always talked about culture well cult that hasn't changed uh, in, in if anything marcus freeman marcus freeman's culture is a little bit more genuine and runs deeper um you know with with more of a long-term approach to what's what's about to unfold here so um yeah I, those are those would be my three guys but i think stucky's a I just think he's a really neat dude. I think he's a neat personality that's going to that's going to resonate uh, with Notre Dame's receivers. I also kind of couldn't. <laughs> you're not supposed to do this, but I couldn't avoid the comparison. Like I really enjoyed of all the conversations, my conversation with Al Washington. But if Mike Elston was still the defensive line coach, I wouldn't be like, man, they're in trouble. I think Mike Elston was a good defensive line coach, and yeah. Lance Taylor was still the running backs coach. I like Dylan McCullough a lot, but Lance Taylor would be fine as Notre Dame's running backs coach. Right. Still, <clears throat> we were predicting a move to wide receiver last September, an offensive line last September. So those just came to mind. Even though we're not looking, you're not looking for upgrade. It's just what coach is the best was the question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question long one from Denver Maximus. Notre Dame loaded up on some talented linebackers this recruiting cycle but they are young, inexperienced, and usually undersized to make a significant impact on the depth chart their first year. The numbers at linebackers seem thin, and depth seems like an issue. A lot of hope hinges on Maris Leofile staying healthy. What is your take on this position, or I should say these positions, and any expectations or concerns you may have heading into the spring and then the fall? Uh, I think I see this position differently than Denver Maximus. Um, I do, too. That would, yeah. that would be my first position because it's like you've got bauer let's just say bauer and bertrand are both mics um banking on leah faust staying healthy is not a gamble this isn't like kevin austin with the the first break of the fifth metatarsal it's just like it was a freak ankle injury um you know prince collie can he give you 15 20 snaps a game i would like to see that um if he can't can kaiser cross train um, you're really only banking on one freshman helping you a little bit in Sneed this year. And that position comes off the field when you go to nickel, which you're going to do a lot. So I, I think the, the linebacker position, it's interestingly built where it's like really old guys and a bunch of first year guys. Um, but in terms of this season, I think that that's actually a pretty healthy spot. Yeah, I agree with Pete, but I, I, the Prince Collie thing, I think he absolutely will give them that. We're, we buried Prince Collie for no reason. He got COVID last year. He got bad COVID last year. He missed all that time in practice and in film room. And what was he going to do when November came around? They're playing great defense. They couldn't get Prince Collie back in other than on special teams. He's 
I think that's a really good number two to Leofau. It's not one A and one B, which is what we nope. talk about at other positions. But we, we, there's no reason to bury Prince Kali. He had bad luck. He was he was going to play last year, and then he, he not only did he have bad luck, he moved positions during camp, right? I mean, he started out as a rover and moved to Will. That's that adds up, doesn't it? For guys learning things and then yep. being taken no away doubt. from the team for two No weeks. doubt about it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really get the premise. Bowers. Bauer is a very experienced football player. I mean, J.D. Bertrand. Yeah, if Bauer gets he, hurt, J.D. Bertrand's fine the whole game playing every snap. Yeah, I, you know, J.D. Bertrand is now an experienced football player in a tandem situation, which is a good thing. Yes. I would include Jack Kaiser as a linebacker at the rover position. Uh, Leofau suffered a freakish broken bone in his leg. I, I There's... No reason to think that he's not going to stay healthy other than it's a very violent game and it could happen. And then Kyle, you know, Kali, I think will Kali will team with Leofau. Sneed is there probably to support Kaiser. So, uh, and then, you know, Joshua Burnham, right. um, uh, Alamaka, Nolan Ziegler. I, I, I don't see the issue. I think they're pretty well stocked there and they have veteran football players to put out front. And to your blast point, those four freshmen, I mean, we're not talking about wondering if J.D. Bertrand could have to come in and help as a freshman or Drew White. Right. Those are, I mean, Sneed's my number one freshman. And I'm, it's not like just my number one freshman. It's a lot of people's number one and number yeah. two freshman, right? And Burnham's yeah. everybody's top five freshman. So, yeah, I really like it. I, I guess, you know, it, it'd be nice if they had a junior I, year. Yeah. Since there, there's not a, a question about who's impressing in winter workouts. Burnham is actually a guy that I've heard is impressing in winter workouts. I, I figured I'd just throw thing. that out there. Yeah. He's got great stature. I heard the same thing, Pete. Um, so, I mean, that's in, a, it's yeah, a good group. Incredibly tough to apparently like he just, he will work himself to exhaustion and beyond, which like the veterans on the team are like, damn. All right. This, this is impressive. I think good this stuff. question applies more to both secondary positions if you're going to be concerned, overly concerned about things for Notre Dame's team. I would agree. I would as well. Question from T. Branson. College football and the way information is disseminated has changed drastically in the last 20 years. How have your jobs changed as a result? For the worse? Oh, is that worth <laughs> stopping with? Well, <laughs> if, if work volume is for the worse, then, uh, then yeah, that would, that would be the case. I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, um, I'm ever off the clock. Right. Yeah. Twitter is a bit say of it, a Pete. Say the word poison I pill there. <laughs> <It's>, no, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say evil. about Twitter. No, I say it's evil. It's the Buckeyes and a lot of fans like yeah. to say it. So. It's evil. I tell you. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I, well, we used to be, when we were in the newspaper business, we didn't know how easy we had it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just more, 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 more. We need to, and now, you know, Nordic baseball is good and Nordic hockey's good. And so we need to know about that. And uh, it just, it, 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 you can never really completely shut it off. Uh, especially with Kevin Sinclair three hours earlier time zone and, uh, and, and, when it's when it's uh nine o'clock his time it's midnight here 
Kevin no loves, podcast Kevin 20 years ago either. Yeah. Yeah. No podcast. Kevin, I'm just kidding you, man. You're, you're awesome. Podcast but, uh, the best part. There's, that's, that's probably, the yeah. Best you know, I mean, great. and he, and he, you know, Sinclair can, can, and certainly Tom Loy can too. We're never, never oh, off Tom the clock. Kevin, let's, let's be, let's be fair. Tom and Kevin are never off the clock. Like, They're never off the he clock. He used to never be off the clock when you had that half roll, Pete. You, you could be off the yeah, clock. I'd, yeah. Recruiting in. Yeah, that's not a not a lifestyle that I'm that they interested are, in yeah. jumping back into. Yeah. I am shockingly impressed at how well they handle never being off the clock. It is both Tom and Kevin. Um, let's see. Zoom has made some things odd because you don't – I mean, it's still better. It is still decidedly better being in attendance at these things because that's when you get good stories off to the side, especially – when there's more access, you could, you could argue there would be some road games where you could be on zoom all you want for Notre Dame football and Brian Kelly. Cause they bring out the quarterback and the middle linebacker and that's it for the interviews. And all right, you talked about the game. We saw the game too, but I feel like I don't like it that you don't have to be there. Does that make sense? First, I, I don't like the fact that zoom can, can take some of those stories. But oh, I love the fact it. that that door has been opened. Yeah. Yes. I'm a, that's but I great. love the fact that zoom exists for like the Thursday 15 minute press conference with the head coach because for this podcast, <laughs> for this podcast, but also because there's a lot of press conferences where there is no ancillary information to glean from anyone. You're not, you're not pulling Marcus Freeman aside very often or Brian Kelly aside very often and getting something you absolutely need that no one else is getting. I mean, you pretty much people always pulled Kelly aside, but we would usually tell people what we, what, what we asked him, right? It wasn't like you, you jetted off cause you got your, right. your information from Brian Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Zoom. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was two years ago that every time we did a podcast, we get the three of us gathered together. Uh, <laughs> and then, pri- and, yes. and prior to that, it was we would go. It was the four of us with Jack Freeman at his house. At his, at his house. So uh, I still think we should do that in the summer with beer. <laughs> before, before during, that. or after? No, go to, go to before, during, and after. We go okay. to Jack Freeman's for a podcast. Look, we, I just put a pool in my backyard. I have a, I have a perfect podcast recruiting recording studio really? back oh. there now yeah no kidding i gotta drive let's, by let's do this is the fence up uh fence is up you and i won't if you want to pull in and take a look you can you can see a pool cover it's not really that exciting right now you'd be climbing over the fence taking a look yeah it's like o'malley you could just open it like <laughs> you could ring the doorbell you know, yeah <laughs> all right down the home stretch here done we'll go do you remember i'm sorry do you remember our last uh in-person <laughs> podcast uh was when it kind of went into do yeah. this the, when we went into the petri dish yeah, yeah i walked out of the library with tim i'm like it was right one week before everything shut down with COVID, or no a few days before everything shut down with COVID. it's like we probably should not return to this petri dish together <laughs> yeah and that was the last of it maybe we'll gather one of these times uh coming up all right down the stretch here cmu pence fan what road trip are you most looking forward to in the next five to ten years on the notre dame beat uh, uh i mean phew. i mean Dub- dublin again um i've been to vegas before that will be that'll be great but um i think the last time they were in dublin i was kind of like in and out maybe like there for was, th- yeah. two maybe maybe three nights i stayed um, up so i made it i think it was three night. Night. i think we yeah. i think it was three i think nights. it was three nights but it just felt i i didn't like get out as much as i wanted to um and for the dublin it's 23 right um yes yes next year i'm 
I plan on extending that um, four or five days because they're off the very next week. There's not going to be a, a need to jet oh, back to point. the United good States point. right away. Like I there was three for answers. the Purdue game. I have three answers. I think Dublin, because it's going to be made longer, can bring probably not kids, but maybe wife and kids, at least Christy, my wife. Uh, Vegas, because that is definitely going to be a couple days for all of us because we're all too excited not to be. And that could include that could include spouses as well. And definitely not kids. And really the most important answer is every other year when I check into the West Drift Manhattan Beach Marriott is just as good as anything else in the world. And COVID robbed that from me. I was uh, I was on the Marriott like website. COVID. No joke. I was on the Marriott website yesterday making sure that the West Drift was still there. And it oh still is goodness. on Rosecrans Avenue. This is about when I made the flight and, and it reservation pre-COVID because I just sat around and prayed that it would end. But it didn't happen. So, well, Jack, are you I, ready for that charge? Okay. I mean, I mean, everybody's going to say Dublin. Everybody's going to say Vegas, of course. Um, I have been to Ohio State for a game. It's a rough place to be to play I'm not to looking see forward to the opener this year. I'm look. Uh, I'm still looking forward to being in that environment. Uh, Lambeau against Wisconsin is mm. now scheduled for 2026. Uh, yeah. Ala- Alabama is scheduled for 2030. I hope you guys enjoy that trip. <laughs> uh, I'm all about. I, and I've seen Nordane play Alabama in Alabama, but, but it was in Birmingham when, uh, when <laughs> it was actually my first, my first year of was it Cornelius attending Bennett? all the games in, in 86. With, it was with the Cornelius Bennett in, game? Yeah. Oh yes. Yes, absolutely. Steve I've been Berlin. to an Alabama game. Uh, it was Alabama, Arkansas, and it was pre Nick Saban. And I walked into dreamland, not dreamland. I'm sorry. Uh, next door to dreamland barbecue, a sports bar in Tuscaloosa, and there is a wall-sized picture of Cornelius Bennett putting his helmet in Berline's chest. It is, yeah. it is a. They call it. The, it's called the hit, like the catch. Yeah, the that hit. really did happen. I saw it. I witnessed it. It did happen in person. I saw it. Yeah, I'm about collecting uh, stadium visits. I have like eighty, I think, in my career. Arkansas in 2025. Not oh, yeah. that that's a destination. They're excited about that. Per se, but I'm sure they're very excited about mm-hmm. that. Arkansas. Uh, I've been, I've been to Texas a and last year. They were really into coming to Notre Dame. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. I've been to AM. They play there in 24, uh, 2024. And everybody's excited about the trip to South Florida for the 2029 season, right? Since we're running over anyway. That was all can, part of it. Can I tell an uh, Alabama story for when I travel? Yeah, there? and then we have one more question. We'll wrap up. Go ahead, Tim. Tailgating in Alabama. Um, we had a nice setup and I had a Georgia Bulldogs fan drove us there. So he knew how to tailgate in the South, but there was some older ladies coming through, like at least I'm talking, pushing 70 going through all the tailgates. And she asked me, uh, she said, you guys got any Dickel? And I had never heard of George Dickel yet at this point. <laughs> and my buddy pulled a flask of Dickel out of his back pocket. Cause he tailgates in the South with these George guys. So I was like, wow, we have, we have Dickel. Good. My friend goes to offer her a little cup to put a shot in her or to, some dickel in. And she goes, no, that's okay. She takes the dickel, pours it in her hand, and shoots it out of her hand. <laughs> I remember that old, story. I was very impressed. <laughs> very impressive. Uh, closing with uh, P.G. Duman regarding men's basketball, can Notre Dame get to a six seed or higher in the NCAA tournament? What do they need to do in the ACC tournament to be at least a six seed? That's not going to be easy. No, I'm terrible at this game too. Is what seed will they be? 
Because well, right saw, now I see them as like a nine. I eight, saw nine. ten. I saw ten somewhere today. Okay. Um, I think they're higher than a ten. Well, look, to be a six seed, you at, at the very least you've got to get to the ACC championship. Yes, no doubt about that. I would think you and almost, and yeah. just take care of your business this week. I'm assuming that's yeah, part okay. of that equation for sure. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And going forward, I don't, I don't know if you need easy. to win it. I mean, I think if Notre Dame wins. Both this win week. their last two games. Yeah, win your and last two regular two season games. games. You could be a six seed, right? So they would be at that point. They would be twenty five and nine. Yeah. I mean, that That's... that would be pretty good. Here's a just right now. If Notre Dame were to the tournament started today, they'd be a number two seed. They'd get a double bye, uh, and they would play the winner of the 10, 15 seeds against the seven seed. And right now, that would probably be Virginia Tech, which is not a I don't Great like match. that match. I don't like that matchup for Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Mike Young's a very good coach, and he's made things difficult for them. Three straight losses to Virginia Tech. <laughs> That's not an easy matchup. <clears throat> no, it's like, not an what? easy matchup. You got to be able to beat somebody. We're getting to the tournament time here, right? right. This is no longer right. uh, Georgia so Tech. So what I'm saying is because double by, you're going to probably play a pretty good team at that point. So they would play Virginia Tech, the winner of North Carolina, Virginia, and then Duke in the championship. The best Notre Dame team of the last 40 years was a three seed in the tournament. Jaron Grant and Pat Connaughton were a three seed as yeah. ACC champs going through Duke, Carolina, six loss season, and highly thought of the entire season. Top 10 team. Yeah. yeah. So that six is tough to get to. Okay. We've gone way too long today. My apologies to, uh, to Jack Freeman for that and those that have are tired of listening to us blame it on jack yeah. it's fine let's blame everything on jack There's... we'll be back on monday march 7th as we get closer to the start of spring drills in the middle of march thanks for joining us this has been irish illustrated insider